<laughs> For some reason, I almost said Overdrive. I don't know why. I've never done that. I've never just said the wrong name of the show. But for a second there, I had to think to myself, I'm like, wait a second. It's overtime. Yeah, now overtime with Jonathan Peter when you found the right spot. We got Jax here today. We got Mackenzie here today. I feel a little guilty. And we'll get to the Browns in a second, what CBS Sports had to say about whether or not they're going to be in a good tier, bad tier, everything else. I feel a little guilty. I feel like, well, I don't know if it's guilt. Maybe I maybe you should send me a thank you card. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but our buddy Jax here, I feel like you are now, you're an addicted golfer. Yeah, I'd say so, and I think you did contribute to that. I mean, you're telling me your plans. You're going like three times in the next week. You're at the you're at the driving range two times in the week. You are you are full into it, my man. I, that's kind of how I am with like every sport. Like once I play it once, I just want to keep getting back out there and trying to get better. So all gas, no brakes. Yeah, I understand exactly. it. I understand it. And golf is a golf is a great sport for people that uh, probably have addictive personalities. I don't know if you have one or not. I have one. I have to be careful about it. That's why I make sure it, in like a lot of areas in life, I have to make sure that I keep that in check. Got to make sure the moderation is key. But uh, yeah. So now, okay. So how long have you been playing now? A couple months? Uh, yeah, like two, maybe three months. Okay. Probably, probably right. two months. So you're, you're, I assume you're not naturally great at it because no one's naturally great at golf. You're probably no. trash. Yeah, yeah. And that's all right. That's okay. Yeah. That's, I don't get mad at it. I don't expect to be good. Fantastic. I get out there. I hit a good shot. I'm happy. That's great. You have an awesome mindset on it. The only advice I would give you is make sure pace of play. Pace of pay, pay, pace of play, pace of play, pace of play. Yeah, okay. I try to go in groups of four, so we just do um, scrambles. Scrambles. Great. You feel good about yourself. You're not really worried about the scorecard or anything like that. All yep. right. I love that. Okay. I don't know how often you're doing the night show, but if you could go in and doing the night show a little bit, and I feel like uh, I feel like we've been doing it for a little while longer. Maybe we go out golfing one day. Hey, I. I'd- I, I like the sound of that. I All like right, good. good idea. Well, I don't want to put any pressure on you or anything like that. Uh, you know, was, you know, sometimes people at this radio station invite other people out to do certain things, and they want to say no, but they can't. And it's very tough on people. So I want to put you in the right position that if you just, you know, wanted to stay golfing with your father-in-law, you'd, you'd be in that right mindset. That's all. No, yeah. I, I'm, I'd be 100% down. Yeah, all right, great. I'm always picking up new golf buddies. I like this. I could actually, I feel like I would, I'd want to golf with you. There's a couple people that I don't think I'd want to golf with. I've golfed with Dustin. I've golfed with Nick. I like golfing with the both of them. There are certain people, and I'm not just speaking at the station. I'm just saying in general that I just, I'm sorry. I, I, there's no chance in hell I'm going golfing with those people. I just know it. I'm like, I'm not going to enjoy that. It's going to be a miserable 18. Like, like for instance, I'm not going to put anyone's name on this because that would be rude, but my brother-in-law's bachelor party we went golfing right and it was a group of four of us and and that was fine and and you know whatever we're in Colorado the scenes are awesome everything is great but there was one player I would never golf again with you couldn't pay me an amount of money to golf again with this person right and it's just I think I understand who that person is in general you are not that type of person you're laid back you're chill I feel like we could have an all right time good you play a little bit too bougie of courses for me though at this point i gotta bring your level of bougie-ness down yeah no no but you're doing all these bougie courses i gotta bring you down bring you down to the nice public courses the the moderately priced public courses that i play and i enjoy on the weekends and then we can really get after it okay Eagles is my most common played course that's an expensive course all things considered but glen eagles is nice it's uh it's close to my house i like glen eagles a lot yeah but you're boulder creek you're that was one time that's high end man that's that's high end that's top 
top shelf vodka one right time. there. Okay, that was my first time. I'm not playing in top shelf vodka money. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do my moderately nice Northeast Ohio price golf courses, and I'm gonna have a great time. And if somebody wants to invite me out to your country club, I'll gladly go. But until that point, I, my nice moderately priced. You know, Northeast Ohio courses is all I need. I'm fine with whatever. Whatever works with me. I also play off hours. I don't play the I don't play the premium hours either. We gotta we can do this as cheap as we possibly can, okay? Hey, that even better to me. I, I I'm I'm all in. I love it. I you know, it's funny. For some reason, I just I enjoy a good deal for the golf course. I it doesn't make sense to me either. I there's nothing that gets me more excited than finding like a hot deal on a on a nine nine hole rate. For a walking course or something like that, I, there are sometimes when it gets to the fall and the spring. I'm no joke. I love this side of Cleveland so much. Eleven dollars, I can walk and play nine at certain courses in Northeast Ohio. It is insane for two hours of enjoyment. Other people go to the movies, spend seventeen bucks for a ticket, spend another twenty five bucks on popcorn and soda and snow caps because it's the only time you buy snow caps in life for some reason. It's always at the movie theater. That's it. And, but you spend so much money there, and people are like, oh, but golf is too expensive of a sport. No, it's not. You do this cheap. And you're outside enjoying the fresh air, everything. It's a great time. It's fantastic. I like that you picked up on that side of things, too. It's basically the only time I get to walk in nature, and I absolutely love it. All right, 216-474-0092. I'm not a hiking guy. You guys know I'm not a hiking guy. I would never actively go on a hike like I did in Colorado a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, wait a second, what are, what are we doing here? Why are yeah, oh, yeah, great workout. There are babies to the left of us and grandmas to the right of us. What are we doing here? It's ridiculous. I'm not a hiking guy. Will not refuse to hike. But a nice walk in nature where I get to play a sport and play a game along the way, it's fantastic. All right, so I was on CBS Sports earlier today, and I reached out to the writer of this, Tyler Sullivan, so maybe we'll have him on tomorrow at some point. Uh, he, he writes a lot for CBS Sports right now. He's in a good spot over there at CBS Sports. And he was coming up with his tiers and his rankings for contenders, which at first blush, you're like, oh, that's very nice. He at least has us in the contenders sphere. Let's be honest about it. The Browns, we should not consider that to be very nice. In my estimation, from 2 to 53, this Browns team is one of the best in football. I don't know about number one. That's my big hangup. I can't tell you. I'm not Miss Cleo. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. I have an idea. You made me, if you made me, like if you said, if we're playing, uh, you do the want to play a game and then we're all of a sudden in the movie Saw and he's like, hey, listen, it's going to go horribly for you if you don't tell me what happens with Deshaun Watson. So you better go ahead and tell me. Fine, I'll play the game. I think Deshaun Watson's going to have a really good season. I mean, really good season. Top 10 would be 10, 11, 12. I would be surprised. I think it's more going to be, uh, you know, six, seven, eight. I think it's going to be really fantastic. I really do. But I can't possibly know that for a fact. You know, if you're a fan of the Chiefs, for instance, and you're watching Patrick Mahomes, you're like, I listen. He's going to be great. I'm not worried. He's going to have some games like the Buffalo one last year, where he threw the interception late in the fourth quarter, down seven, a very non-Patrick Mahomes-esque play. Those are going to happen from time to time. But you know, he's going to be great. You can chalk that in. Put that in Sharpie, actually. You can put that in Sharpie. It's going to be great. I don't know what to do with Deshaun Watson. But in thinking about the contenders and knowing how good this team is, and I really do think we can put this team 2-53 to up there with the Bills, up there with the 49ers. I think it's a really good football team. 
I thought it was fascinating that Tyler in this article put the Browns in the if things break right category. So that's what he did. Kind of like how Ken has his categories of, aren't they all based off of Kirk Cousins? Which after watching the quarterback documentary, he might have to rename them because now I really like Kirk Cousins. Not as a football player. I think he's still kind of, a, you know, pretty much trash as a football standpoint. Trash is too harsh. He's good and great. But I like him as a person. Just thought he was really nice. He came across great in this. And I'm two episodes in and I'm already hooked into I, like what a big Kirk Cousins guy I am now. But I'll always be honest about his football ability. I don't think he's God's gift to football. That's fine. He had one of those type categories, and those type of uh, labeled them and went through. And I, what I thought was fascinating is that he put the Browns with one other team in the category of if things break right. Now, I've been telling you guys all offseason, I believe the Browns, for my money, match up in a similar way when you're trying to do predictions with one other team in the NFL, and it's not the team that Tyler named. I think they're more like the Broncos than they are anything else. I think Russell Wilson is that question mark. I don't think Russell Wilson even knows what's going to happen this year. Sean Payton is a question mark. As great as he once was, he is a question mark. I don't know what's going to happen defensively or offensively with that team, but I know on paper I like a lot of their skill position players. I like Jerry Judy, obviously. I think Patrick Sertain is one of the top cornerbacks in the league. For my money, it's Ramsey. It's Sertain. It's Sauce Gardner. You can kind of mix them all together. Spit it out any direction. You're going to have a top three, and it's going to be a good top three for the cornerbacks. I think the Broncos should be in this group where if things break right. Tyler put the Chargers. And the similarities that he had in here I thought was interesting. He says, I have the Browns and the Chargers in the same category because I feel like they are in a nearly identical situation. Both have solid rosters from top to bottom and are arguably the number two teams in their respective and competitive divisions, but I do sense that they may be missing that it factor. All right, so let's unpack that a little bit. Chargers are number two in their division because they have the Chiefs. We're number two in our division because we have the Bengals. There's no slight there. The Bengals and the Chiefs are two teams that have been in the AFC title game for the previous two years. We are coming dangerously close to renaming the AFC title game the Patrick Mahomes-Joe Burrow Invitational, okay? I have no problems with that. Honestly, that part of the conversation, I think, could be considered more of a compliment than it is anything based off of what you think of Baltimore. Some people would say Baltimore's number two. I like us being number two. It is what it is. Missing that it factor, though, is what threw me off here. And let me ask you this, 216-474-0092. Are the Browns missing that it factor. What is that it factor? Is it just Deshaun Watson? Is that all this boils down to? I know that's kind of been the off-season rhetoric. Uh, yeah, well, what happens with Deshaun will dictate where we go, what we do. But I want to look deeper than this. I'm not going to look just at Deshaun Watson because in my mind, Deshaun Watson's going to be a good quarterback this upcoming season. So if Deshaun Watson's going to be good, good to great, what exactly is that it factor that the Browns are missing? We have one of the best offensive lines in the game. Pro Football Focus has us ranked number two overall. We have a great running game highlighted by Nick Chubb. We have a good receiving core that has a chance to be great, depending what happens with Elijah Moore. And a couple other people as well. David Bell, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Amari's always going to be good. We know that. There's some, there's some question marks there, but it's got a chance to be really, really good. A defensive line, I think this is the best defensive line that Miles Garrett's played on. Our defensive backfield and our linebackers, little bit of a question mark. 
more so our linebackers than our defensive back room. I don't know what to make of Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill won some titles in Kansas City. I think he's good. I don't think he's great. If the season does collapse upon itself, maybe that's part of it. But I don't, I'm not gonna, I wouldn't bet on that. But I want to ask you, 216-474-0092. What is the missing it factor? I was thinking about this with the Chargers. You know, he blamed Brandon Staley. Is Kevin Stefanski our missing it factor? If we can blame the Chargers, they have a really good roster top to bottom. They blew that postseason game. What exactly is our missing it factor, though? Is that Kevin? 216-474-0092. Terry, up next on the fan. Hello, Terry. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Well, by any doubt, it's the coaching. Do you think so? Yeah, it's the coaching. Even going back to the Baker year, the last Baker year, the coaches couldn't make a decision to take him off the field. I mean, it's, 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 it's their decision-making. You know, um, some of the play calling, the, 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 you know, the uh, not kicking field goals when you should. I mean, it's all that. thing is, you know, when you look at, when you look at the uh, Steelers, as, as, it, as it pains me to say, and Baltimore, when they make decisions like that, you, you're, pretty, you're pretty sure that they're, they're, they're going to make it or they're going to do what, what needs to be done in that situation. You can't say that about the Browns. Yeah, at the heart of it, you watch a Ravens game or a Steelers game. Even though we can debate Tomlin, and we will a little bit later on, you know fundamentally they made the right call. Right, that's what I'm saying. Nine, but I'm saying eight out of ten times. Yeah. You know, yeah. with us, it's, it's five out of five, or five oh. out of ten. All right. And, All right. And, you know, that, that's, that's the difference to me. I mean, you got the talent there, so it's, it's got to be the culture. Yeah, it's kind of got – and thank you, Terry. I appreciate the call as always, man. Good call. It's kind of got a little uh, Cavs vibes to it all, right? Now, Cavs have three players in the top 40 in the NBA, in my estimation, and you turn around and you're losing in five games to the Knicks, it's like, well, we want to blame J.B. Bickerstaff. I blamed execution on that one, on that series, but you get the point. 216-474-0092. Is the Browns missing it factor? Is it just the coaching staff? Is that what this is? Or do you have something different? Because I had a hard time. I think 2-53, to 53, I think we're phenomenal. I had a hard time coming up with what our missing it factor is. And why exactly are we the if things break right category? It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on the fan. Fun game in between the break. Who at the fan could grow the best, sweetest mustache? Ken Carmen with a mustache would be awesome. There's just no question. Ken Carmen with like, I'm talking super troopers. I'll take a large Farva. I'm talking like that type of mustache. That's what I would love to see. I would look ridiculous, but not that ridiculous. That's the point. I wouldn't be able to look. I wouldn't look ridiculous en- enough. We've seen Dustin with the mustache. Remember when Dustin grew out his mustache? He grew it out, and then he tweeted out about it, and he got a bunch of compliments on it. Like People acted like he, I don't know, should be a barber from 1935 with the responses. And I, I was surprised he didn't hang on to it. But then ESPN had all his different college games coming up. And let's be honest about it. People take it seriously. But they don't take you too seriously if you have a mustache. Got to write that wrong. What I want to talk with you guys about right now is the latest with what's going on with the running backs across the NFL. Because and we got the fan focus coming up at nine o'clock. But Pat Leonard, you know, writes in New York and covers the current situation with the Giants and Saquon Barkley. But there's been a couple situations in the previous few days involving running backs that I find fascinating. So first one's on, you know, Pat on afternoon drive talking about Saquon Barkley and the current dealings in New York. 
Saquon Barkley and the Giants, there's a disagreement essentially of the numbers that have been presented publicly, what they actually mean. What I mean by that is, yes, Saquon Barkley was offered $13 million a year earlier this year in the spring. However, Barkley feels like the deal that was offered to him did not include the kind of guaranteed money that would reflect actually $13 million a year value. You know, you look at what you're guaranteeing, you look at per game roster bonuses maybe being included, which essentially is a way for a player to earn all that money, but also if he gets hurt one week, suddenly he's not earning that. Now the contract isn't worth what it was originally reported. And sometimes players interpret those per game bonuses as you don't think I'm going to stay healthy, right? So there's some kind of bad blood around the fact that those numbers and offers have been leaked out and made in Barkley's mind have made him look like he's turning down a monster contract when without talking about the exact specific numbers, Saquon is trying to get the message out there that, listen, they offered me that on the surface, but it's not really that deal. So, you know, listen, the Giants prioritize Daniel Jones, obviously. Uh, The bigger picture is that they are a team and a regime with Joe Shane and Brian Dable who is trying to center their offense around the quarterback. But, of course, the Giants for several years now have been an offense built around Saquon Barkley and their running game. So there's a philosophical shift going on here, and that's being reflected in how they're spending their money. But the Giants do want something to work here. And frankly, I've believed all along that we're going to end up with a deal when all is said and done. But at the moment, especially off of, you know, Wednesday's kind of emotions boiling up from both sides, and even the threat of a holdout kind of being mentioned again in the media, it definitely is hard sometimes to see through the trees and feel like there's going to be a solution soon. It seems really hard. I, I don't know why – if I'm Saquon, I'm mad. I'm mad as hell. You gave Daniel Jones $40 million when nobody else was offering Daniel Jones anything close to $40 million. What was Daniel Jones getting on the open market? 30 Maybe? They didn't have to offer him $40 million a year. They made him one of the higher-paid quarterbacks in the league a year ago. We wondered if he'd be selling real estate at this time. I mean, what are we doing? Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones, a guy that I once downgraded from Danny Dimes to Danny Nichols. We think that guy's worth $40 million a year. And listen, I'll be the first captain of the running backs are being devalued in the NFL ship that is currently going on right now. But let's be honest, Saquon Barkley is much better at his job and what he, do, what he does than Daniel Jones is. That's why that playoff game was so laughable when Daniel Jones ended up having more carries than than Saquon. Most important game of the year. Let's go ahead and have Daniel Jones run it a bunch. The hell were you thinking, Brian Dable? I don't know. But when it comes to the finances, I think it's an I think it's very interesting to think about the position that New York has put themselves into and then wonder to yourself, are we going to have something similar with Nick Chubb? Now, I don't want to go down the holdout road, 216-474-0092. I don't want to go down the holdout row, uh, road because I don't believe Nick Chubb has that in his DNA. But that, that might be being, me being more naive than it is anything else. I think most athletes are capable, no matter what type of situation they're in when it comes to the fan base and how beloved they are, I think most athletes are capable of having the mentality of, I got to take you to the cleaners because if I don't take you to the cleaners, you're going to take me to the cleaners. Like I saw this quote earlier today floating around about ESPN. It was, uh, it was just like the idea that uh, if you worked at ESPN, you had to come to the realization that you have to screw them before they screw you because ultimately at the end of the day, everyone's going to end up getting screwed. 
Like you're going to end up uh, not feeling satisfactory with the uh, amount of money that you got paid, everything else, right? And I think a lot of places in life we can we can attach that association as well. You know, it, the company has a lot of the power. We understand that. Sometimes you have to operate with the idea that if you don't get yours when the value is high for yourself, then you're definitely not going to get yours when the value is low for yourself. I think that's what Saquon Barkley is trying to protect. Why I'd say these situations are different, though. Saquon's never been given the second contract. If Nick Chubb never played another down in the NFL, Nick Chubb and Nick Chubb's family is very comfortable. Nick Chubb's grandkids are still driving Lambos if Nick Chubb never plays another down in the NFL. Saquon Barkley doesn't have that same comfortability. You want the second deal. We're talking about the third deal as it pertains to Nick Chubb. Very similar to me with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's been paid. Dalvin Cook's been taken care of. Dalvin Cook will be fine. Dalvin Cook, at this point in life, everything that happens to him is now gravy. I don't think it's insane, the idea that Nick Chubb could end up coming back on a hometown discount. It's a long way to get there, but it's what I believe. A hometown discount, Jose Ramirez-style hometown discount for Nick Chubb, I believe is in the cards if the running back position continues to be devalued and the cost of Nick Chubb is more like seven, eight, nine million million as opposed to 11, 12, 13 million dollars. 216474 to below 92. Pat went on to talk about the running back position. Guy's been covering the league since I was knee high to a duck. He's been around forever. This is what he had to say. I think Saquon is treating this not only as a negotiation for himself, but he's trying to kind of crusade in a way on behalf of these running backs because he resents not only that the Giants are, in his mind, at some point in time, lowballing him or telling him he's not worth a certain amount. He also resents that his fellow running backs are being treated the same way, uh, that guys like Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard are getting tagged. And like you said, across the board, you know, a guy like Dalvin Cook being outright released when we all know what he provides on the field. I think that the NFL is going to a place now and evolving offensively where I think you're starting to see that against these smaller defenses now to de- out there to defend the pass with teams more often in sub with more DBs on the field than in base with more linebackers. I think you're going to start to see running backs kind of their values increase and their usages increase. I don't know if the money in the market will catch up to that eventually or how long that will take, but I do think it's an interesting dynamic where running backs have never been worth less to teams financially, but also, you know, even Dable and the Giants and Saquon Barkley were a huge part of kind of last year, the resurgence of the run game across the NFL, like centering your offense around it, making people beat it, and just saying, like, we're going to line up and hit you in the mouth, and you're not going to be able to stop us because you're built to beat a team with four wide receivers spread out wide. But it's a problem for these players. It's a problem without a solution right now, and that's why there's a lot of conversation on Barkley's side behind the scenes about how can we try to help out the rest of the market here as well as get the right deal for me. He's making it sound very altruistic for for Saquon. I don't believe that because what's good for him is what's good for everyone. So I think there's a mutual benefactor at play. Like everyone, if it works out for Saquon from a contract standpoint, then it works out for the entire rest of the running backs. And you're not really, you're not really, uh, you know, on a pirate ship, really being uh, out in a limb here. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I'd love to give you credit, Saquon. But the holdout is for you. It's not for the rest of the running backs. That's just how I see it. But Isaiah Pacheco did a number on a lot of people last year. Pacheco, the seventh-round pick out of Kansas City, comes in, absolutely 
lights up the regular season and the postseason and was a real important part of that Chiefs Super Bowl run, seventh-round pick. That's where the running back position is going. The idea that even if you have someone that's special, someone that is taken in the sixth or seventh round might not be as special as a Nick Chubb, a Dalvin Cook, a Saquon Barkley, but they can do a good enough job and they can really impact and help out elite offenses. Now, at some point, because the NFL is cyclical and the NFL, what happens will turn around and happen again, at some point, we will get back, we will get back to a point where the NFL truly is offense with the pass, but also offense with the run. We're just in a weird era where right now the running back position is trying to find itself. The running back position is like the the freshman at college. They're off. They're away from their family. They don't really know what they're doing in life, but they're trying to find their identity. That's what the running back position is right now in the NFL. They're trying to find their identity. They're trying to find their place. I, do we like garage band music? Do we like emo? Do we like dive bars? Or do we like country clubs? I don't know. You got to find out for yourself. That's what college is for. That's what the that's what running backs are currently doing. They're trying to find their slot. In the NFL world. And I know there are enough good head coaches, guys like Shanahan, that have prioritized being able to make offenses awesome using the run game and then being able to use less than great quarterbacks in order to get the job done. Guys like that are going to just feast on this. This is going to be their time to shine because as everyone's looking left, they're going to be going right. Everyone's looking in the passing direction. They're going to be going back to the running direction. Can't wait to see what Atlanta does with a guy like Bijan Robinson, for instance, out of Texas. What he does with a player like that, amazing. Amazing that you had a running back taken in the top five of the draft this past year with how we talk about running backs. All right, leave that there. We come on back. We got to get to the fan focus. A lot to get to in the 9 o'clock hour. Mike Tomlin discussion, LeBron in the 10 o'clock hour. We'll get back to Miles Garrett as well. Odyssey Rewind. You want to go back to the 7 o'clock hour and go back and listen to that one. It's Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on The Fan.